1: hey everybody and welcome to the billboard pop shop podcast i'm keith caulfield senior director of charts at billboard and I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself, Keith? I am swell, getting ready for Beyoncé, Beyoncé, It's Beyoncé week. It's Beyoncé week. We have to whisper it. We have to whisper <laughs> it. Shh. <laughs> She's, Be respectful. The Hive is listening. <laughs> um, but, well, as always, we're going we're gonna to get to her in a second. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, we're looking ahead to the
0: release of Beyonce's Renaissance album by chatting with Billboard dance director Katie Bain all about how Beyonce and Drake have made huge splashes in the dance world over the last month and what it could mean for dance music and pop music in the months and years to come. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. And now it is time for our chat with Billboard dance director Katie Bain. Yay! Keith and I sat down with Katie following the release of Drake's latest album, Honestly, Nevermind, and the upcoming release of Beyonce's Renaissance to
1: talk about why these two superstars decided to make dance projects and how it could impact pop music to come. Plus, Katie B. filled us in on the underground dance producers that Drake tapped for his album and whether we might see other rappers or pop stars looking to these same names for their own projects. So here's our chat with Billboard
0: Dance Director, Katie Bain. Hello to Katie Bain and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, we're so happy to have you. We have talked to you for the show before, but this is our first time in person. I think, because we did a Zoom with Katie. Do you remember that? Did we? We did, I think, for the weekend. It was the weekend. About the weekend. Yeah. Oh, when you did the cover
1: story. Correct. Yeah. uh uh-huh.
0: So, but it's nice to have you in person here. Even better. Yeah, our, our Even first, better. Our
1: first official guest inside our new studio.
0: Exactly. Um, and we, you know, we've spoken before about these new, very dancy projects from Beyonce and from Drake, but we had to get the expert herself in to ask some kind of just kind of get in the weeds about this today. Um, So we want to start by saying, like, why do you think that both Beyonce and Drake happen to create dance-slash-house-focused music for these new projects? Right.
2: Well, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I obviously can't read either of those two people's minds, (laughs) but I think it perhaps has something to do with the fact that uh, house music is really having a huge huge moment has been having a moment in the dance world it's it's the coolest sound there are many variations of it but it's sort of like the most prevalent global sound in the dance scene right now and it's not something that i've seen any mainstream artists yet lean into yeah and so i feel like well obviously it is a classic genre It's also super fresh right now, and there's a lot to experiment with and play with for, you know, an artist of Beyonce or Drake's caliber.
0: Yeah. And I think to your point about mainstream artists, like a lot of people pointed out that there are people like Charlie XCX or Azalea Banks who've been doing this, but they're not Beyonce and Drake. They're not the biggest artists in the world. Correct. Um, So uh, what was the first thing you thought of when you heard? Let's focus in on Beyonce first when you heard Break My Soul.
2: I could think. I I could. I could barely. I was. I honestly got overwhelmed um, because Beyonce is my favorite. I'm a huge Beyonce fan. Have been for a long time, and so the fact that she was doing a dance track was like overwhelming, monumental to me. And it's, you know, it's the artist that I would have picked to do this. It's my dream artist to do this. Um, And so once I got over just sort of the Uh, Shock of it I mean It's Then the Excitement of Oh she's doing Classic 90's House music Right You know And like that's So cool
1: Why do you think It was a shock For you to hear Beyonce doing A full on Dance track
2: Uh Well She's never Embraced the genre I think so Clearly Mm -hmm. She's dabbled In dance before Girls, Run the World, uh, obviously Samples, Major Lazers, um, which was a very different style of dance electronic music. But this is sh- she's making a statement and she's saying, OK, this is dance music, whereas that was just sort of, you know, I don't think she was trying to be part of the EDM world at that time. Right. You know, like she's really doing a dance song with this one.
1: Do you think it's also because we've come off of a stretch of time with Beyoncé where she's been making kind of you know arguably sort of more artistic kind of in some ways serious Music Is that a fair way of assessing less, the less self Less poppy. Less poppy, less sort of mainstream yeah. poppy Purposely, dance. Purposefully, like
0: she's just been not beholden to the radio for the last decade plus, basically. She's just doing whatever she wants. And what she wanted to do this time, I guess, is house music. Yeah. So I, we love it.
2: We, <laughs> we're, we, we're here for it. We definitely love it. And I think also so intrigued. Yeah, by what's to come because I mean if the the Vogue images are any indication of, you know what she has cooking beyond this, like it's gonna be full on.
0: Yeah,
1: I I hope it is. And we, um, we say that now, and then everything else we hear is like, nope, it's all acoustic folk music. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she got a disco ball. Um, so uh, with Break My Soul, what? What is it specifically evoking from the, like, 90s house world? I mean, I think Robin S. is specifically credited, right, on yes. this one? Yes. Yes. Okay.
2: Uh, so, yeah, obviously Show Me Love is just, like, the, the biggest corollary. But it's a whole world. And if you were, you know, alive and listening to music in the nineties, I think you really remember that world because it did cross over to radio. It's CC Pediston, it's Crystal Waters, it's Black Box, it's Technotronic, it's CNC Music Factory, it's all of that like
0: It's all warming my heart.
2: Totally that Jock (laughs) Jams oriented. Mm 90s dance that really, like, bubbled up from the clubs, Um, you know, and as a child at that time, I had no idea where it was coming from. I just knew that I liked it. Um, But it's really, to me, an homage to that really, like, genuinely incredible era of music.
0: Yeah. And do you think that, like, fans, as we were talking about the fact that she's not been super poppy, do you think that, like, fans have been wanting this version of Beyonce, like, dance floor Beyonce?
2: Or maybe they didn't even
0: know they wanted it. I
2: I mean, I think (laughs) Lemonade was so satisfying, you know, and maybe not necessarily fun, but certainly cathartic and you could move your body to it. Um, I think we just wanted something because it's been (laughs) so long since she gave us, you know, a complete project. Obviously, there have been singles and whatnot. um, But I, you know... (laughs) Yeah, fun Fun. Beyonce is a really great and powerful version of Beyonce, and I think we're all glad to have that back.
1: I think there's something to be said for—in order for Beyonce to get to where she is with Break My Soul, she had to go through Lemonade and um, the collaborations album with Jay and her self-titled album to get here. Without those albums, she wouldn't be where she is now, and the same way you could look at Lady Gaga wouldn't have Chromatica without Joanne sort of leading her to Chromatica— you know what I mean? Like, I totally agree. I think like because we all every every diva fan wants their divas to always be super diva, <laughs> but at the same time, those divas want to try something new. They want to like have a sonic change, just like you know Taylor's. Like you know, I don't want to be boxed into just country music. I would like to try pop music. Is that cool with you? I hope it is. <laughs> Let's try something new. Go on this journey with me.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know if if Lemonade it is is the marital strife grief uh, heartbreak album then this is an extension of that narrative of like okay we solved that problem and now we're, we're gonna, gonna get dance. on the dance floor we're happy we're happy again <laughs> yeah we worked it out
0: and I mean I think uh, the pandemic probably way, like factors into this too like maybe you know Beyonce was doing artistically what she wanted to do and then there was a global pandemic and nobody was on a dance floor and then she was like let's get literally everybody on a dance floor with this song maybe maybe it was something just as pure as that yeah We'll have to ask Beyonce next she time we said talk to that, her.
2: Right in the in the Didn't Instagram she, in the caption, Vogue interview, um, I think it was the when she released one of the images. It could have been the album cover, but said like I made this music during a really scary moment on Earth, and it provided her with a sense of escape and solace. Yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, that's always kind of what dance music has been, right? Escape. It, exactly. Well, um, should we transition to Drake now? Talked Do, a lot about Beyonce
1: here. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so Drake's album. Which is fully out um, isn't as like retro as Break My Soul. Um, can you can you talk about Drake's collaborators and where we would know them from? Because I know that I've talked to you, KDB, about this album and you've name checked a series of. Uh, Producers that I had never heard of before and I feel a little bit dumb for not knowing them. That's why Katie's here, to educate us. But apparently these, these people are kind of well known in kind of the dance world. So um where would we know these people from outside of the Drake album?
2: Right. Well there's never any Like who reason are to feel they? Dumb. Who are
1: some of them that we should know off top of Sure. Grad?
2: Yeah. I mean the dance the dance world is so big. Mm. And so varied. Um, there's just it, it's it's a highly populated genre, um, <laughs> but I would say you know most significantly is Gordo because he produced I think five or six of the tracks on this album, um, who was previously up until very recently producing his Carnage, uh, for the past ten years has been a very successful bass music project, and made the announcement that he was shifting full-time to his house music project, Gordo, at the beginning of May. Um, I actually interviewed him about that transition, and he was like, oh, yeah, what's up? I'm at Drake's house. Like He was Zooming from Drake's house, and I was like, well, he's we'll not
0: you, keeping this under wraps.
2: What then? are you doing there? I guess you didn't have
1: an NDA yet and, <laughs> uh, I mean,
2: He wouldn't obviously tell me what he was doing there, but he, he spilled the beans. So, you know, we knew something was up. Um, but he, you know, it's a... I'm getting on a, on a little bit of a tangent now from your question, but it's like a big moment for him, because what, uh, what a better opportunity to sort of blow up and show the world what you're doing now in the house music realm than to have produced, you know, half, essentially, of the new Drake house music album. Yeah. Um, and he's like been very well received within the house music space in that transition from bass. Um, so he's he's a key one, and me and Rampa are two of the members of the three member kind of music. They're German. It's like a German collective, and they're really you know if you go to Ibiza and you go to DC10 and you hear like the really white hot underground house music like that's what they're doing uh it's those guys there's alex lustig who's also in that world govi who's kind of an ovo guy and has been
1: ovo and uh, drake's label
2: ovo and and exo um so you know just like in the, the Toronto label. yeah <laughs> both of them um all of the all the o's all the, o's. <laughs> all the Toronto o's exactly and just like <laughs> in the underground Toronto dance scene um And then, of course, Black Coffee, who Mm -hmm. won the Best Dance Electronic Album at the Grammys this year and who's like a really big deal and has been for a long time in the dance world.
1: Would we have heard of the music produced by those people you just named previously in kind of mainstream music? No. No.
2: No, and that is what I think is so impressive about Drake's curation here mm. um, is that he didn't go for the obvious names. Like, you know, Drake could get anybody, really. You know, let's Calvin assume. Harris. C- Calvin Harris, Diplo, Skrillex, whomever. And he really went for a, like a pretty specific and pretty underground uh, realm of. Of electronic music and like I said before with Beyonce like a realm that's like really really hot right now if you're in the dance world and maybe one that you don't know about at all if you're not
0: well and it kind of reminds me of like what both Drake and Beyonce did with Afrobeats like again they weren't on mainstream radio and then Beyonce and Drake made Afrobeats songs and now you've got Thames you've got WizKids you've got all these people on top 40 from Africa Putting their music on the radio, and it feels like this exact same thing could happen with these producers.
2: Exactly, 100%. And I saw Diplo when the Drake album came out tweeted, you know, essentially just a thank you to Drake for sort of putting people onto this style of music that it's going to do so much to get recognition for yeah. this world. And it, it reminds me of something I was interviewing Diplo, gosh, years ago, but he was saying, like, It's really tricky to try to get an artist like Black Coffee on the radio that he had been trying to do it and trying to figure out ways to do it and hadn't necessarily been successful in that. And, you know, I don't say that you necessarily need Drake or Beyonce to do it, but like they're going to be able to do it more powerfully than anybody else. Yeah.
0: And do you think that, you know, other people of Drake and Beyonce's caliber are going to be calling up these producers now and like, what can you do for me? I think it certainly isn't going to hurt. Right. You know, like I
2: think that not that you want to necessarily assume they're going to be copycats, but right. just if people like that sound, then yeah, they know who to call now.
0: Yeah. Um how how have uh Kind of you mentioned Diplo thanking them. How have core dance artists been receptive of these Drake and Beyonce projects? I think that's generally
2: been people have been really excited, yeah, uh, really excited uh, to get the recognition. And then there's also like, yo, we've been doing this, yeah, for years, years and years. Obviously, house music was you know forged in the 80s, um. But I've seen vocalists and producers say like, if you need me, uh, I'm here. If you want to work with me, I'm here. Uh, you know, there's like always a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I want to use? Backlash. Mm, You're like your being proprietary, saying, yeah, maybe like about there's the world. There's a knee-jerk world. reaction of just like, yo, this is ours. Yeah. And when something crosses over in the mainstream, like with the force and velocity that Beyoncé and Drake are able to give it, it kind of. Uh, You know, everyone has to like take a beat and really think, like, how do we feel about this? Because, yeah, it's definitely like good for the scene in a commercial way, but it puts a lot more eyes on what's going on.
0: And um, I was talking to Keith about this earlier. Uh, We did a Five Burning Questions about the Beyonce Break My Soul um, when it broke through to the the top 10 of the Hot 100. And one of the things I was looking at, you mentioned a lot of names, um, you know, CC Peniston, CNC Music Factory, all that. I also was looking at how that whole, you know, House early 90s thing kind of uh, morphed into the Eurodance of like the early to mid 90s too, like LaBouche uh, La and Culture Beat and all of those people. So do you kind of feel like not only could this lead to like House being on the radio, but maybe this new something else, like some other new dance renaissance that could come after it, kind of like opening the door for, uh, you know, another world?
2: I think it definitely could. And I'm really excited about that because um, obviously, I feel like a lot of people associate dance music or what they know dance music to be is EDM and what crossed over in 2012, 13, 14, right. 15. You know, S- Swedish House Mafia, Calvin Harris, Avicii, like all of those big, big tracks that people know. And I feel like this could be a new crossover moment, sort of like reintroducing the world to what is current in dance music now. Um, and I and I sincerely hope that happens. Like I hope people hear this music and think like I could do this with it and I could do that with mm-hmm. it and you know play with it and create something that's that's new.
0: Yeah. Do we have superstars that we would like to see play in this world post Beyonce and Drake?
1: That w- that would actually be like a left turn for them.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I should say like. Pop stars, people who are pop stars right now, who maybe have—I mean, like for instance, I think I mentioned Ariana Grande. Mm -hmm. That's a name that you know she clearly has worked with Zedd and done dance things before. But like, what if she makes a house song all of a sudden? I don't know. Seems like it would fit.
1: Yeah, but is that on enough of a left turn? No, I don't think it is, (laughs) and I, I wonder why that is. Like, I think, I think we, we the collective we, music listeners, put framework and boundaries around certain Mm -hmm. artists if they aren't a conventional pop artist, because a pop artist is supposed to do lots of different things. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I reference Madonna, but it would not be surprising for Madonna to do something a little bit weird because she's always done that. But Drake it is. But Drake it yeah. is. And it, it, in a way, it was weird when Drake started like singing on – because like he started off as like a rapper, but he also kind of sang at the same time. Yeah. This new album, he barely raps. Right. But that's not unusual at this point for no. Drake. Or for hip-hop, Post Malone, et cetera. Right. Because, because because we've they've laid the groundwork. Yeah. And I think we put – I'm not answering Katie's question, but I think Hmm. if if we're looking for artists that would be surprising, you have to think of people who have a lot of sort of boundaries and like things around them Mm -hmm. where like we have all these notions about what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So to me, it'd be like, um, OK, so that would be like Reba McIntyre, Alan Jackson, Uh, like like because if, if Lady Gaga did this, it would not be surprising. Right.
2: No, right, and Rih- Rihanna's done it really. Yeah, right? like Rihanna had some of the biggest hits of the era with Calvin Harris. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and Beyonce really, truly would have been my number one choice. Yeah. So I'm trying to think beyond that, and like Lizzo. I mean, yeah. for her to do like a piano I mean, she house just, track, she's got like, a
0: disco hit right now, basically. Right. Yeah.
2: So she's already been there, done that. Who could it be? <laughs>
0: But you're right. You're right about, like, saying... And, I mean, the the response to uh, the Drake album is, like, proves your point. Like, it, there's a weird, like, half backlash, half excitement for that album. It's, it's like, down-the-middle mixed. People who like Drake the rapper and want him to make a, you know, like a trap song or something, this is not...
1: They're not going to be happy. Do we think, B, that there is some weird kind of... I I don't know how to frame it exactly, but because Drake is a man in hip-hop, is it therefore more jarring for his fans and people in general to have to accept him doing something that is not hip-hop and not hard? Or am I misreading it? Because it's just like, oh, it's dance music, it's house music. It's like, yeah, that's not your world. Like, rappers don't do that. Like, you should stay in your lane. Like, is there some of that happening too? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that there's something to that. Um, that if there just, isn't,
1: we can just delete this part out.
2: No, it's, well, <laughs> he's, he's entered a very different world. And it's a world that, uh, gosh, it's, I don't know what word to use besides softer. You know, like you mm-hmm. could hear in his vocals, he's not rapping. He's he's like you said, he's mostly singing. Like it's, there's, it's pretty emo too, honestly. It's, it's pretty emo. Drake has done emo <laughs> I mean, before. He's always he's done <laughs> soft. Like just hold on, we're going home. Is like super yeah, soft. When
0: I heard this album, I, and I think I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago, I said passion fruit. I mean, it, to me, mm-hmm. the whole album reminds me of passion fruit, which is one of my favorite Drake songs. Exactly. So like, I love it.
2: Drake does soft very well. Yes. And I'm I'm glad that he's leaned into that, but I can see why his rap fans uh, that are looking for something harder and I, I don't want to gender this but like something that they perceive as perhaps more masculine right? Uh, you know that they're not going to be satisfied by what's going on here no, then that, they, then they make
0: Jimmy Cook's number
1: one yeah. the exactly only and that's rap what's so feature. interesting yeah. you know
2: like that that's the number one from this album and it's like really the outlier yeah
1: so maybe then the surprising left turn would be like think of like the kind of hard Sort of hip hop person or hard rock person mm. that has never kind of we, ventured into. We don't have
0: a hard rock person right now. No, like if 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 Monaskin <laughs> doing a house song. <laughs> if if Jay Z were, do it. If yeah, they're good. Like, actually, is,
1: is like is Jay Z going to turn up on Beyonce's album on a house track? I, on that a would, disco be, track? Uh, I would love that. I would love that. Now Jay Z has obviously flirted with you know dance and when he does his collaborations. I'm not. I'm not intimately familiar with Jay Z's. Well, he's been catalog. on very poppy songs, right, "Crazy in right. Love," obviously. Uh, Umbrella. But if, I mean, but if yeah. Jay Z did a Drake-like album, that would be. A surprise, yes. but now Jay Z probably wouldn't do that because then it would look like everyone is copying Drake. Because his wife already did it too, <laughs> right? Now anyone who does, if there's
2: someone who cannot. It's Jay Z.
1: But but maybe that maybe that is like now now maybe everyone's going to be like, well, I don't want to do this exact same thing because Drake's already done it,
2: right? Ex- exactly. So it's going to be an interesting follow up, and I think it's what you were saying, Katie, of just maybe the integration of this sort of. Uh, crew of producers more into like the
0: mainstream pop and hip hop worlds. Kind, kind of like Afrobeats. I mean, right. it took like six, seven, eight years for like Drake doing an Afrobeats song to it becoming actual African artists making like lead, like being the lead artist on top 40 songs. But it happened. So maybe we'll be talking about Gordo's hit single in in six, seven years. I don't know. I hope <laughs> I hope so. That'd be awesome.
1: It feels like, though, I was telling KDA earlier about like, well, back in the 90s when um, kind of Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, that kind of group kind of broke through, they weren't, um, they weren't diluted. It was just their music that was breaking through on MTV in America, and they became popular that way, but they were still kind of underground. But, but some of those people and some of that ilk started to work with mainstream pop artists, I name-checked Madonna because she worked with... <laughs> William Orbit is not the Chemical Brothers, I realize. But once William Orbit did Ray of Light and worked with her on that album, William Orbit then started to get entree into working with other people. And he then produced for lots of other folks. And maybe that's what will happen, as yeah. you said, Katie, like with these artists. It's like, well, maybe they won't do the exact same sound, but now new talent has been discovered by other artists that maybe didn't even know they existed. Yeah. Right. Which is... Maybe even a better scenario, mm-hmm. because
2: it then potentially creates just like a an overall expansion
0: of the way music sounds like yeah. it's just a new influence, yeah well i think I think that's a beautiful note to end on. We appreciate you stopping by the podcast studio, KDB. Thank you so much thank you for um thank you for your, for your dance knowledge today. We appreciate it anytime. <laughs> to my fellow Katie for taking the time to educate us on the world of dance. I think we have lots of great music to look forward to, including maybe this
1: Friday. Who knows? <laughs> maybe this Friday. <laughs> in, in, unless the album suddenly moves right. to a different date. <laughs> um, I love having all the Katies on the show. Yes, all the Katies. It's a Katie all fiesta. All the Katies all the time. Well, now, it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. <laughs> oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> this week in 1989 a certain individual that beyonce has duetted with Mm. prince yes Uh, prince's batman was tops on the billboard 200 albums chart as the companion album to the blockbuster superhero film flew to the top of the list dated july 22nd 1989 and spent six straight weeks atop the list The album, Prince's third number one, was led by the mashup style single, Batdance, which pieced together bits of dialogue from the movie, as spoken by its stars Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, and Kim Basinger, alongside Prince's own new original lyrics and music. It was then uh, a wonderfully weird single, and it was also a number one hit reaching the top of the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart on August 5th, 1989. A and crazy it was, number one. It was his fourth number one, by the way. It is a crazy number one. <laughs> it was a crazy number one then, and I think anyone listening to it now would also think it's a crazy number one. But I'll never forget that that's one of his number ones, because we've talked about it before on this podcast. Um, well, the, the Batman album actually generated two more Hot 100 hits in Party Man and The Arms of Orion, and the latter is a duet with Sheena Easton. Sheena had also... Uh, worked with Prince uh, previously, and uh, she provided the female vocal you heard on the number two hit, You Got the Look, in 1987, though she was not given artist credit for that, and I will forever hold on to that and think that that was uh, an unjust (laughs) non-credit. All right, so there you have it this week. In 1989, Prince perched atop the Billboard 200 (laughs) albums chart with his soundtrack to Batman. Batman. We've reached the end of our Beyonce and Drake Dantastiky show. <laughs> uh, any parting words, Katie? I feel like we talked about a lot of fun.
0: 90s dance music with KDB, so I feel like we should go out on, you know, oh wow, some like, CC
1: Peniston or some, you know, like Culture Beat or uh, Labouche. Wh- okay, so did you want like Culture Beat's Mr. Vane? Did you want Be My Lover from Labouche, or did you want Finally from CC Peniston? I'm choosing Be My Lover. Be my lover. So Wanna good. Be my lover. Okay, we'll do that. See you guys next time. Bye. Uh, hi, hey, hey.